Hello and welcome to another episode of The Echo Chamber. Today with me is Dr. Dan Goyal, at Daniel Goyal on Twitter. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Echo Chamber. Now, with me today, I have someone that I've been trying to get a hold of for quite a while because I find it incredibly interesting. Uh, he tweets a lot of what could be considered controversial uh, threads and discussions around various aspects of health policy that the government's been doing, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, let me just introduce you to Dr. Dan Goyal. And um, hello, Danny. How, Dan, how are you doing? I'm all right, Farbod. I'm all right. Delighted to be on your podcast. Uh, thanks. Really honoured to be asked. Uh, ready for your grilling, whatever it may come from. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. I have a reputation of being quite, quite the taskmaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's very nice to have you on. It's very. Um, I feel very privileged to have you on because I've been following your uh, tweets quite um uh, i've been paying quite a lot of attention to them because i think you are putting into words quite a lot of how uh, quite well how everyone's been feeling well, um you. You. well a large majority of people have been feeling over the course of the last year or so right. um and you have been very articulate and I would say measured really in your responses, even though what you say could be considered by a certain part of politics uh, to be uh, controversial or radical, but I don't see it that way at all. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Danny. Um, I keep calling you Danny now because I've got you down as no, Danny I'm on Dan my screen. Danny, Danny's <laughs> fine. Right? Danny's absolutely fine. Um, right. my, my, uh, my wife calls me Danny though, Farbod. So, you know. Okay. It's, it's probably uh, murky areas there, I think, you know. <laughs> um, so, so tell us a bit about yourself, Dan. Yeah, so um, I uh, was actually born in the States, uh, moved here when I was one or two, uh, brought up in Scotland. Mum's um, Welsh, dad's from, was from India. Uh, he, he sadly passed from, from COVID at the start of the pandemic. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, trained as a doc um, and currently now a, a, a consultant in the, uh, the Highlands in, in general medicine. Um, got four kids uh, under the age of 12 um, and uh, a wonderful, beautiful wife who I somehow managed to scam to fall in love with me during university. <laughs> Um, I still get those looks far bod when they look at her and look at me and they're like, hey, wait a minute, how, how's this how's this working out? She, she's a lot more attractive than he is. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, that, 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 that's really me. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I get those looks as well. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think it's just a, a function of, um, well, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. If we could explain it, we would, but uh, yes. Yes, some reason best not to pull it. that thread i think yeah best not yeah <laughs> you don't want to really yeah yeah exactly it's, but it's it's a thing that goes on it's been going on for a while because you know going back to tv shows from back in the day like the honeymooners and the flintstones there is no way that Fred <laughs> should be, well, let's, let's, let's be clear well, Fred absolutely, absolutely. Like, 
as a husband. And he's, you know, he's overweight. He's angry all the time. And he's got this like unbelievable, like an angel wife. I mean, what's that all about? Wilma! Exactly. Absolutely. So, yeah, exactly. I'm sure he wouldn't. And, and, you know, and Simpsons as well, Marge and Homer, that also makes absolutely no sense. So I think this is a trope that's been going back for quite a while, this... uh, Maybe, Husbands maybe, maybe it's that women have more depth to them than men, you know. And then obviously beyond looks, maybe maybe there's some other part of me that that is 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 up to speed for her. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's not examine that too closely. Oh, oh, that oh, might get a little bit. She might be listening. So uh, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, so um, yeah. So I'm really sorry to hear about um your personal loss from COVID. I think, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? The um, yeah. the pandemic has touched so many people, mm. you know, either the, I mean, so many people know of someone who has either died from COVID or mm. had significant health effects from COVID. I know a number of people who have, you know, uh, long COVID issues. And uh, we've even had people on the podcast who have talked about their long COVID issues mm. as well. So it's it's been something that has, and I've said it before as well, that it, it, this period in time will essentially define yes. our entire careers. We'll be talking about it Absolutely. 20, 30, 40, 50 years time, you know, oh. with medical school coming in and going what was it like yeah. when COVID struck and we'll be having these conversations so and, and you've obviously had a personal tragedy in the family related well, to it well, but well, you've also uh, been treating yeah. patients with COVID haven't you absolutely, absolutely. I think that, that, that's such a I think not widely held view that when this all comes to an end I say in inverted commas um we will be looking back and, and asking of ourselves one big question, and that is how how did I respond to it? How did I react? Did I rise up? Did I stand up and protect um, those people in the community that needed protecting? Or did I rage on about, you know, some weird concept of liberties and, you know, not anti-masks and anti-vaccines and everything? And I think when it's when the, the line is drawn under it and, and we measure it, I think that will be the determination as to whether you can move on with your life and be happy that, you know, it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. Nobody liked it. But I stood up and, and, and I fought for those people that, that needed it. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, we had, we had personal tragedies in more than one. Uh, I mean, my dad passing was actually you know oddly not as traumatic as as one might feel he was very unwell anyway um we had already decided that if he was to become sick he wasn't to be transferred to the hospital um and the you know the staff at his facility were were, were fantastic at, at, at supporting him and actually that wasn't as traumatic as as losing my brother's mother-in-law um, actually, her, her death was completely avoidable and hugely traumatic to everyone. Um, and I think spoke to the 
very poor response that the UK have had, both in a policy level, but also clinically. I mean, the clinical pathways for COVID have been really poor uh, throughout the pandemic. And uh, that's kind of what why I got more heavily involved in it. Um, I saw the golden rule of medicine being uh, abandoned, and that is, you know, early intervention. You know, that's how we survive. You know, yourself, uh, Farbod, as, a, as an emergency medicine consultant, you know, you get someone in early, it's easy. You know, we can sort you, we can mm -hmm. help you, we can support you. And if you get someone coming in late, you know they're going to be, you know, mm. up against it and stuck in the hospital for ages. So I think um, the biggest lesson I hope we take out of this is that, you know, we need to be proactive in managing pandemics and not reactive and sitting back and waiting for things to, to come to us. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. Uh, prevention is so much better uh, than cure. And this is, you know, we, we make the point for this podcast that we don't really want to talk about medicine per se, but this is, these are topics that actually transcend medicine, isn't it? This is something that's not, you know, we're not talking about specific, you know, physiological pathways or, you know, uh, processes or pathology. We're talking about almost an ideology uh, driving policies rather than and I hate this term, the science, but you understand my meaning. Absolutely. It's like rather than looking at it from a dispassionate view of this is what needs to be done, let's do it, always thinking, well, actually, what is the prevailing feeling amongst the public who are less informed about the situation and frightened? Yes. And, you know, their opinions really shouldn't be considered like that they should be we need to do the best that we can and it does sometimes feel that rather than doing the best that we can it's like well let's do the thing that will be the most popular which uh -huh. is not it's not <laughs> yeah in a situation in an emergency situation that's not the correct way of thinking yeah. um and it turns out that all of this kind of led to the worst of both worlds you know we we why did we do like this kind of half-assed approach to everything was it well we wanted to protect the economy but our economy has been decimated by what we've done and other countries who took it a lot more seriously new zealand's the one that comes to mind uh straight away took it you know went really hard with everything and at the very beginning now have very little covid with an open economy with a population that has barely touched it um you know there are doctors on twitter going I've, i haven't even seen a covid yeah. patient yeah. which is almost is for us in the uk to hear it's like yeah. how how is that even possible Absolutely. well it's possible because we made such terrible decisions at the very very beginning absolutely absolutely i mean i think we we ended up in this as you said the worst of both worlds if the, if the government were set on a herd immunity strategy, which is very clear that they have been throughout, um, the, 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 then you have to bolster your healthcare service to try and deal with it. And, and what, what the government did was, well, yeah, let it rip through, 
through through the country and simultaneously shrink the NHS for almost take it on the chin, as it were. Absolutely, for almost certainly ideological profit-making reasons, and and what we ended up with was this massive surge of cases, nowhere near the capacity to deal with it. Um, and yet, you know, you look at places like Sweden that, that, you know, awful response as well, still did much better than us. And, and you know, they, they did expand their healthcare to, to match their strategy. This, 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 this response was, 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 was really, I think, uh, uh, you know, lacked the compassion that you needed to, 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 to deliver it. But the other, the other point, Farbod, is I think the, the public are confused a little bit i would i would suggest that you know why why couldn't i get a call from a doctor when i had covid and why didn't i get admitted to hospital when i called 111 and was really struggling and i think that it's very useful to know that that was a central decision that that right at the start they took this fatalistic extreme preemptive healthcare rationing approach um, uh, where they cut off all the services and, 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 put, and told everyone to stay home. And, and that was a central decision that controlled the whole COVID pathway throughout the whole of the UK. And you'll remember, Farbod, that, that during the first wave, there were many hospitals that had plenty of capacity. Uh, uh, you know, some hospitals were struggling, other hospitals had lots of capacity. And that was because of this approach centrally taken by the government that, you know, stay home um, uh, 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 until you're near death and then come into the hospital and we're supposed to try and save you. So I think they, they got it wrong on so many levels. And now we need to hold them to account. We need to say, look, OK, fair enough. You got the first wave wrong. Learn. It's time to learn and, and say, well, what would you do differently? And my fear with this government as they stand at the moment, I don't, I'm not sure they would do anything different. No, uh, they are entirely reactive. They all they care about is what it, what the current feeling is yeah. and how they can manipulate it. There is no sense of learning or growing or even a will to. Yes. It's just let's just carry on as best we can and hopefully people will forget about it let's the news cycle will change we'll put more bits and pieces yeah. out there'll be other scandals and things that people will care about but and... they're wrong farbod they're wrong yeah. they're wrong because this is they're running on this 24-hour news cycle kind of pr spinning approach and actually they're utterly wrong because this is historic event this will be the numbers are clear there will be a tally at the end I use end in inverted commas, and we will see very clearly who did well and who did badly. And, and, oh, yeah. and all that's going to happen is we're going to learn that actually this type of government you do not want in power as we face these global threats. Um, yeah. I think they've, they've really overjudged it, and, and you know, uh, I'll be surprised if they get re-elected in the next 20 to 30 years, really. Well, I mean... <sighs> It's interesting, isn't it? Listening to, I remember listening about a year ago when they started talking about how you can't compare, you shouldn't compare countries uh, the way their responses are. And I just thought when I heard Boris and the other, uh, you know, 
talking head sycophants uh, saying this. You shouldn't compare one country with another. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. it, it, this might be the only time in history, in modern history at least, where you can directly compare. Where you can, we both have the ability to record the data, share it, mm -hmm. um, analyze it, um, you know, put it in context, you know, put the proportion in comparative to the population, all of these things, it, it's directly comparable. Uh, the reason they're saying that you can't compare it is because they know that if we did compare it, if it was done open and transparently, which again, they're really trying not to do this COVID inquiry. They'll keep saying, oh, we'll do a COVID inquiry, we'll do a COVID inquiry, but it's never seemed to be happening. The reason they, they do it is because they know that it will be utterly dreadful. Anyone who's done any kind of research, looked at the numbers, will know that it is shambolic. Shambolic is not even a, you know, hyperbolic. It's, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't even reach the, uh, you know, it doesn't even touch the sides of how bad yeah. our response has been. You know, they're happy to talk about how we're like the fifth largest economy in the world, the fastest growing economy in the G7. Another lie, by the way. Um, they're happy to say all of this stuff, but they can't say, oh, and and amongst all of that, we've had the best um, outcomes with COVID. Yeah, we got the big calls right. The fastest vaccine rollout in Europe. And I go, okay. Maybe that's true for like the first like month or so of when the vaccines yeah. came. Yes. What about since? Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, and, and and you keep you keep kind of thinking, well, what would have happened had we had a sensible leadership? And you, you, you kind of you, you you've worked in the NHS a while as have I, and 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 it's remarkable what we achieve with the limited resources that we have is remarkable. Mm -hmm. I mean, primary care phenomenal at picking up a deteriorating patient a and e fantastic at managing high high volume demands imagine we actually sensibly brought those resources to bear and instead of putting all that money into non-clinical private sector um provision we actually bolstered frontline care we would have i honestly think we could have been one of the best performers in the world um, if we had acted quickly, if we'd locked down quickly, or, or at least mitigated quickly, and then flattened the curve, put, you know, boosted our capacity, our healthcare capacity, just as the WHO recommended, I honestly think we could have been, people could have been looking to us and going, actually, all right, that's the way to manage a pan. But it's, it's the same as football clubs, isn't it? You know, the manager does hold the can because he creates the mood and he dictates the tempo and he dictates yeah. the strategy. And, and and I'm afraid, you know, a football manager would never have lasted this long after this many coughs. <laughs> um, and now they're and now they're, but they're waiting for local elections to decide whether what he did was wrong. And I mean, it's just a bit weird, really. It's it it, it is a bit of a weird twilight zone. I don't I. Uh, and like the, the police's decision to delay um, further <laughs> issuing yeah. further fines until after the election, I was like, "Well, okay, what's that with anything? You know, since when are the police dictated to by yeah. when there are elections? I don't, I, I can't get my head around yeah. it. And like, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I know it's unbelievable, and 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 you can see the conservative MPs, some of them, most of them, I think, probably sitting there thinking, right. He's actually done quite well here because actually the NHS is on its way out. You know, they're going to privatise that. 
He's managed to suppress some of the protests, so actually that's pretty good. He's taken over the Electoral Commission, that's pretty good as well. So actually, in terms of diminishing state and promoting uh, free market, he's doing pretty well, actually. But now it's starting to affect votes. We might need to we might need to pull the plug, but yet still sitting there waiting. Well, yeah. let's just see if actually he's been able to charm his way through this one, and that actually we don't lose that many. I mean, they, they, you need morals and leadership, mm. you need ethics, and they need to have just said, "Well, look, actually, mate, you know that's not what we expect from the leader of the UK, is to you know party while people are dying." I mean, that's just you know not really know. on, and they should have just got rid of him. I think they don't appreciate, and Alistair Campbell says this a lot. They just don't appreciate how much damage they're doing to the Tory party. Yeah by holding him in power, um, really. I think it's not just the Tory party. The damage that's being done to our political landscape. I think people... I I think they they think it's cosmetic, the damage, Yes, and that once they get rid of him, it will be all fine. I don't think so. I think people's memories now, especially with things like social media as well, and you know, people they think we're keeping the receipts. Everyone's keeping receipts now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. And uh, and I mean, and it, it all boils the abandonment during COVID. I mean, they're trying to blame it, trying to turn it onto GPs and the NHS, but actually, the, yeah, the, yeah. the paper trail is very, very clear that 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 the government bypassed primary care. And the only reason you can think of to do that is to control the testing structure. Because Mm -hmm. I can assure you, primary care GPs would not be allowing, you know, companies that have no experience in testing to do testing. Yeah. Um, And and I think that, you know, the the COVID will put a stamp on everyone's brain that this government abandoned us when we needed them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's going to hurt for a long time, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's sometimes too easy to simplify, but actually, if you do simplify it and actually look at it from a very simplistic point of view, they're 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 racketeers. <laughs> they're, that's what they've seen. It's it's what happened. It's happened throughout throughout history. Uh, a crisis occurs, and a group of people, usually in some sort of p- powerful position, um, see it as an opportunity to consolidate their wealth, yeah. make a lot more money, yeah. and that's it's called racketeering. The yeah. fact that it wasn't in wartime doesn't matter. It's the same kind of crisis. Absolutely. I mean, similarly with war profiteering is, is so apt. I mean, this was the time that people just, you know, we should have united and you know, mm-hmm. six million plus, maybe twenty million dead from it. It was a, it was a moment to unite the, the the world and push us for the bigger problems. Farbod and you know, there's no doubt the climate the climate catastrophe is going to be bigger than than COVID. And oh yeah, can you imagine Boris dealing with that. Like if if oh my if god, can you imagine it? Oh, in in this country, could you imagine? I mean, well. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Uh, it, it actually puts a shiver up my spine. <laughs> uh, me too. Me too. I'm just thinking, you know, there's no way to make profit from it, really. No. So, so you'll probably just ignore it. Do you know what I mean? No. There's, 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 there's flash floods and there's fires yeah. and there's drought and there's famine, and you probably just, probably just, you know, ignore it and move on to something mm-hmm. else. It's, it's. I, I really sincerely hope that COVID was a little warning shot for us that's a big warning shot 
that says, you know, be careful who you admit to power these days, because because you yeah. you know I hope that happens. I really do. Yeah, like post post war awakening type thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think hopefully it's making people a little bit more engaged. I mean, I say hopefully, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I it's difficult. I mean, the whole this podcast is called the Echo Chamber. Mm. And I and I chose that specifically for, for two reasons. One, I capitalised echo to annoy the cardiologists. <laughs> I did it because actually, you know, Twitter is an echo chamber. A lot of these times, you know, even going to work is a bit of an echo chamber. You think you've got an idea about what people are like and what they're thinking, but actually our view of what's happening in the world and amongst the electorate is very um, limited. You know, yeah. we, we see one part of the world and we have, we think we got a feel of it. And I, it, a lot of what we're talking about now goes back to kind of, it, it's kind of built upon this idea of our current electoral system just yeah. not being fit for purpose. Yeah. We have a 80 seat majority government voted in by less than, well, I think it's like 40, 42% or 44% of the population. I mean, that, that makes no sense to me. No. That makes absolutely no sense to me in a, in a modern democracy where we have all of the trimmings of the modern society, the 24-hour news cycle, the instant communication worldwide. I mean, I can pick up my phone and talk to my friend in New Zealand yeah. for free, video call, yeah. you know, for as long as I want, um, but our voting system is still based on the time when people essentially lived in parishes. Mm -hmm. They were born and died in the same parish, and that's how we vote still. It makes no sense. Um, I my gyms in one um, uh, uh, one area, one um, electoral county. Uh, Obviously, I live in another one, and I work in another one. I don't. It. it, it so who's who? Where do I vote? Do yeah. I vote? Do you know what I mean? Do I have three votes? No, of course I don't get three votes. I only get one vote, oh. and that one vote is, is 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 put into this system where as soon as you reach a certain like marker, you've already you, you can form a government. And, 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 and we, uh, what we found is that absolutely the central government controls a lot, and yeah, and we, we should have a say. Or you know, a vote a, a proportional representation of what what we feel should be who we should feel yeah. should be leading the because the impacts are so much. But I will I will pick you up on a point though, um, Farbod. Although I think a lot of people do think, well, probably is for Twitter is a bit of an echo chamber. I only joined in August, um, and and the only reason I joined was. I was told that we we produced this paper, this this it was the first Lancet publication I ever had, and uh, it was a it was a group effort. You would you would be very appreciative actually, Farwood, because it, it included emergency medicine GPs, respiratory physicians, um, you know, across the spectrum, and we looked at how COVID care pathways were being provided in the UK, and th it was about you know, that we had to ration it. Well, the healthcare rationing occurred throughout the pandemic, um, despite what a lot of the executives have said. And and I was like, look, this needs to, we need to get this out and we need to get this message out that, that, you know, this is happening so the public can be aware. And there was so much other crazy stuff going on that that, that wouldn't make the news, you know. So, so, so I was told to go on Twitter and try and promote it that way. 
So I joined Twitter in, in that, and actually, oddly, I, I produced, I think, seven publications before then. And since joining Twitter, the, the response I've got has been much better than what I'd had from publishing really good papers and, 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 and really good journals. Um, and I think, you know, I even got to speak directly to the people who, who you know, when do you ever get a, a chance to ch chat with Jeremy Farrar or Trish Greenlaw or, you know, I mean, this is, I, I was I was blown away by it um, and actually then got in a bit of trouble by my wife for being too too much on Twitter, actually, at that point. <laughs> this, this is another thing that we might have to uh, not pull at. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, move on. Uh, move on from that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I'm on Twitter an appropriate amount. Um... <laughs> because actually you make a difference. And, you know, I think it's... You know, I, I got I put up a, a tweet out about you know, which is pretty much what the government should be doing about what to do if you get COVID and symptoms to look out for, and again, treat Trish Greenlaw and and I kind of helped each other on that, and 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 I got emails after it saying I had no idea about silent hypoxia, and I got emails later saying, well, actually, after reading your 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 thread, I went and bought a pulse oximeter, and actually, you know, it turned out that one of you know. I, so, so there yeah. is a, there is a, I, 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 and I think you know Elon Musk isn't buying it for nothing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He's, he, I think it does influence and change the narrative. It does, yeah. Uh, it does, and I no, I mean, I think I think all I would say is it's it, have a word of have a word of caution because I think I remember in 2016 saying, you know, as the as the Brexit vote was coming through, I was like. Or, or you know, in the months preceding, I was like, people are saying it's you know, it's it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I go, oh, well, I don't. I'm I'm not so sure. Mm. I'm not so sure because I think I know a lot of people on here think it's not going to happen. Mm. Um, but you know, you're giving and and I see people com make politics really complicated, and I I honestly don't think it is very complicated yeah, yeah. i think people feel certain things uh, at certain times and a lot of decisions as regard to voting is quite emotional oh. and um i saw the brexit vote in fact if i'm honest i was quite surprised it was as close as it was i thought that brexit would have been voted a little bit um more resoundingly for because, because the way I saw about it, uh, the way I saw it was you have this government, a relatively unpopular government. This was David Cameron, obviously, um, following on from the um, coalition they have, the Lib Dems. Mm -hmm. I saw this government coming out. They they made this pledge that they'd give a referendum. They're not very popular. Mm -hmm. um, and essentially, they're giving you a choice to say, let things stay the same. And we say that's what we should do. Oh, let things stay, boring, yeah. or let's give you an option to change things. And a whole bunch of people in this country decided, my life is crap anyway. Ah, that's a very good point. Anyway. Why should I vote for things to stay the same? For you lot to stay in power? For um, you know, uh, for our money to go to Europe or whatever? Whatever your arguments were, like my life is crap. 
I want things to change. You're giving me the option to vote for change. I'm voting for change. Right. And so those people are like, oh, how could the Northwest and Wales vote for Brexit? Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, how could you, how could you not see this coming? Because uh, they they were they were they've been royally shafted for yeah for for decades. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it that's the reason they did it was it was in a way a protest vote yeah but that's that's simplifying it even more because actually they just wanted, consequences yeah they just wanted something different uh, i mean it, um, it, it's interesting you you said that politics isn't that complicated i remember my when i was 12 uh or thereabouts and I was in at home and there was the parliamentary thing on you know you could watch them yeah. in parliament it was a I was like, wow, this is quite cool. You could see laws being made. All right, I'll watch this. And I, I was sitting at 12 and I, was, I turned it on and was watching it. And they were talking about, oddly enough, Farbod, they were talking about Europe. That's pretty weird. <laughs> and, and they were talking, so one of them, one of them made, a, made a, a comment about, well, to, to be able to change the side of the road we drive on, basically, it would cost us this many billions to change all the road signs. Um, I, 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 and I was like, all right. And then everyone started cheering and, and jeering. And, and and I was just like, why are they why are they unhappy that it's costing so much money to change the road signs over? And then it dawned on me that this, this effectively was just two groups of people arguing with each other and screaming at each other you know, this mm -hmm. wasn't, a, as I expected it to be, you know, a progressive, intelligent discussion debate about, mm -hmm. you know, making these were people just coming in with views and just trying yeah. to, and, and, and then I just stopped watching it after that. Yeah. I lost yeah, I mean, there are, there are debates, yeah. uh, but the sensible debates are the, not the ones that... Um, it, it, it seems to be rarer and rarer that you seem to get a sensible debate and especially with this current government okay. because they use lies so frequently Incredible. and again Rob was on the TV again today talking about how we're the fastest growing economy in the G7 and it's like it's demonstrably a lie oh, like, there is no way he could even think that's true and what, what did they say is because we we were the worst we had the worst effect of the COVID crunch than any other G7 yeah. or, or, or whatever country. Um, so we have, we, you know, we can grow better because we've started from such a low point. Um, and, you know, it's just it, 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 the spending. And as you said, Farbod, it just ruined your faith in politicians and in the system, you mm -hmm. know? And there's going to come a point where the government are going to have to turn around and go, actually, folks, you know, we've got a new variant. We're a bit worried. Everybody needs to get boosted. And folk are going to turn around and go, I don't believe you. Yeah, I just don't believe you. You know, and and it's it's such a costly. Yeah, having a lying government in yeah. during the pandemic is so damaging. It's so damaging. We've lied. You know, I know we've lied to you before, but this time, this yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's in a way, it's a coercive and abusive relationship that we have Absolutely. with this government. Um, and I feel for everyone, like the people I don't agree with, you know, the um, the sovereign citizens and all this. I don't agree with them, but actually, I, I feel sympathy for them because actually, like, how has how how have we gotten to such a dreadful state of affairs? 
that people can think these ridiculous things yeah. and not immediately go, well, that's a load of shit. Yeah, yeah, proper. <laughs> I mean, that's proper worrying, right? I mean, it's 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 some sort of group delusion, you know, that, that I mean, it's, I, I, I think what we've learned is that the, the power of the media is, is and the power of that narrative is more powerful than science and scientific facts. And I, and I think yeah. I think I'm hoping uh, BMG are stepping up its game. I mean they they've got BMG opinion and they're rapid turnaround mm. and they're responding and they're coming out, uh, you know. And and I think still the big publications do make a, a ripple, um, mm-hmm. um, but but I, I honestly think they need to they, we need to we need to own that that space a bit more mm-hmm. and need more trusted people yeah. for science. I do. I mean, I have moments, uh, Dan, and I'm I'm almost loath to admit it, where I, I, I find it difficult to see a way out of it uh, beyond the, as I can't remember which comedian, I think it was Jim Gaffigan called it the Etch-A-Sketch end of the world. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the way that God got rid of um, everyone in the, in the, in the deluge in the flood noah's flood like you know he made the world and was like oh no this isn't quite right <laughs> and then he picked up the world shook it <laughs> to get rid of all of the crap that he'd done to start again and it's almost like i sometimes in my darker moments feel like there is no hope for what we have at the moment and actually what you need is that massive cataclysm to get rid of it all i i i live for hope uh, I, th- I, think, say, I, think, I think it's i think it's um I think it's still up for grabs. If if people like Johnson and Trump and Bosano and, and all that are, are are able to continue to climb the ladder and and dominate, then 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 I'm pretty sure they will do something that will wreck the world. But I think if we can get more Obamas and you know uh, dare I say it more Gordon Browns and more uh, uh, Ardens from from New Zealand and things, if we can get more of those type of people. To, to push yeah. them up to the top, then maybe we can, you know, you know. I hope so. I hope so. And I think it's one of those things, isn't it? Like we are progressing, you know, in the Western world in particular, because that's, you know, we. Let's be honest. That's what we're talking about more more often than not, because rests uh, the rest of the world is kind of just getting on and doing their thing as they're normally doing. But in the Western world, I think we are, over the course of the last several decades or so. Yeah. We are progressing to yeah. become more liberally minded, uh, but these institutions that develop, they, you know, they, like people like Boris Johnson and David Cameron and their coterie don't come out of a vacuum. They come out of long-standing institutions oh, and social cool. constructs, and yeah. these things take just as long to dismantle as they did to become institutionalized. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but, I, can't, I can't imagine Eaton is is delighted. With their their press that they're getting just now, you know, I mean, these guys are are mm. are are showing up the uh, eating and and and, and mm. making raising a quite the question you're asking, which is, well, actually, are we producing the best leaders from here, mm. or are we just producing the people that, that that know how to argue and bullshit their way through yeah. um, things? So, I I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good point, man. It's going to take time. It's going to take time, but I do have hope. Because if I didn't have hope, um, 
I couldn't look my children in the face yeah. <laughs> and well, talk to them what, about their what, futures. For what it's worth, Farbod, I absolutely think that we will win, and I think that 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 mankind will become more enlightened and more uh, socially aware, and we will grow and develop that way. I, I, I think so I think how painful it's going to be. I think that's the choice that each of us have at the moment. But... <sighs> exactly <laughs> yeah. i know i know i know it's it's when you start talking about it it's very difficult like you, i go through like i said i go through really dark moments sometimes mm. when i think about it um but then you know i look into the faces of my children i look at the next generation of yeah. Um, yeah, people absolutely. coming up and it does fill me with hope i i think all you know these people have to die eventually <laughs> you know, yeah. they will yeah. die eventually yeah. although having um i like people like henry kissinger is henry kissinger still alive because i think henry kissinger is still alive and i'm pretty sure henry kissinger was an old man in the 60s <laughs> so i say that these people you know eventually all have to die but um who knows <laughs> yeah <laughs> Exploit, exploiting people, you know, you get, you know, you get, you get some rewards from it, man. You get to. <laughs> oh dearie me! Oh well, I don't, I don't know how to take the rest of this conversation. If I'm honest, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we take it all the way down to the end of the world stuff now. <laughs> well, I think we'll have to talk another time about my um, preparations for Tio Twaki. Do you know what Tio Twaki is? No. Tio Twaki, the end of the world as we know it. Tio Twaki and uh, <laughs> end times preparations, but that's that's a conversation for another time. That, 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 that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> Dan, Dan, um, we've been talking a long time now already, um, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, but I feel that we have to start bringing this conversation to an end. But I really hope that we'll have another conversation in the future whether on the podcast or off it uh because i've really enjoyed talking to you me too far I... thanks very much for that it's, no problem you've opened you've expanded my mind a bit <laughs> i i that's very kind of you i can't let you leave though without asking the question that i ask of every uh guest that comes on here and that is what is the strangest thing you have ever experienced oh my word what is the strangest thing ever? I mean, I, I, I remember um, my, my fourth child was born. This isn't strange at all, actually. Um, but yeah, he was born and he, he was sleeping and he pooed, you know, one of those. And you didn't want to wake him up. So I lifted him in one hand, he was that small. And I changed him with my other hand, yeah, his nappy. And didn't wake him up, Farbod. Yeah, that is. I mean, that's some skills. That is mental, right? I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for people who don't know, for people who don't know, like you could just like <laughs> just clear your throat in the next room, <laughs> and a baby will wake up. You know. Um, oh my god! So that was strange, but 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 you know the 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 actual strangest thing I've seen is is you know maybe is the the response of the. UK to the to the pandemic, I have to say, I think that will stay with me that we didn't step up and didn't provide the care to the people that needed it when we needed it yeah. more. And and I have and I have looked into it and 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 I have the paper trail for that. And I know that that the burden for that falls squarely on Johnson and his cabinet 
um, and that they, they, they did fail us, and 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 that we didn't need to didn't need to have that. So I, that for me, that officially will go down as my strangest thing I've ever seen or experienced. That's, I think that's fair. I think, yeah, as the Chinese say, may you live in interesting times. Yeah, I want to be born again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the older I get, the more and more I um, yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to going home and painting that. If I'm honest. Oh, <laughs> uh, Dan. Oh, thanks so much for uh, coming on. Hopefully, we'll be able to have a chat again in the future. I hope you've enjoyed it. Are there any last thoughts that you have? Any final thoughts that you want to give to the to listeners? Anything like any resources or plugs you want to make? Um, I would say, you know, I am very confident that science will kick COVID's ass, um, despite this government and despite you know some of the poor leadership around the world. Um, stay safe. Um, it's still worth not getting it, and it's still worth um, you know protecting each other. There will be new vaccines, there will be new treatments, uh, and and I hope we'll send this the way of uh, a, a mild illness eventually. Um, so stay hopeful is my point. And for long COVID sufferers, I think the same is out there. We are still uh, it is a big burden of illness. There is a lot of money to be made in it, which is actually a good thing for for sufferers because we will get research and we will have treatments for it soon. So stay hopeful. I'm sure we will kick its ass eventually. Excellent. Thank you, Dan. Okay. Thanks, Barbara. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I've been your host at Emergency Bod on Twitter, Dr. Farbod. If you're enjoying the shows, feel free to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the echo chamber. I promise to share the proceeds with our producer, Silent Ben. Thank you for listening, and until next time, take care. <laughs>